chapter 4. Now, Adam knew Eve, his wife, meaning they were sexually intimate. And she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. And then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. Let's pray. Father, I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you would speak, Lord, to us today. Lord, I ask you to come in and speak through me that I would not be a hindrance. There's so much about me that can be a hindrance, Lord. I, I, I pray, Father, that um, you, you sort of overwhelm that and that you speak through me. I pray, Father God, that you would cut me, cut all of us to the heart, which is our prayer every time we open the Word of God. We need surgery for our joy, for our correction, for just to maintain, Lord. And we're so thankful to be here. We do pray for the youth as they're driving back, Lord. We pray for safety. That's a lot of teenage kids in two vehicles, or three. So I pray, Father, that you uh, keep them safe and that they're a blessing to you and each other on their way back. But Lord, I, I pray now for this service. I pray also for the kids over in the Fenway. Please, Lord, open up our eyes, our ears, our minds to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you may be seated. So, think for a minute how much of life is spent thinking about money. How much you have, how much you need, how much you want, how much you owe, how you are going to to pay what you owe, how you are going to get more. Study found that the number one cause of stress in the United States of America is, is, is money. 44% of Americans, that's their number one cause of stress. And considering how much of life is spent thinking about money or doing something about money, earning it or whatever, investing it. Is it any wonder that the Bible has a lot? I mean a lot. I mean a lot to say about money. 
There are over 2,000 verses in the Bible about money, wealth, and possessions. I understand that about 15% of the time, that's what Jesus talks about, 11 of Jesus' 39 parables are about money. I love this verse in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It says, all Scripture is breathed out by God. The NIV says, God breathed. Unfortunately, the New King James says, inspired by God. But the literal translation in the Greek is, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man, that the woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That the man of God, that the woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work, meaning equipped for life, prepared for life. The Bible has everything you need in order for you to be equipped for life, prepared for life. And a lot about life involves money, so it's, it's no surprise there's a lot in the Bible about money. Now, you would have thought that given the amount of verses in the Bible that talk about money, that I would have given over the past 20 years a lot of messages about money. I've given one. It was about 10 years ago. And recently, I've thought about that a lot. How I, 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 I've given one message about giving. And we don't pass a plate at Calvary Chapel, not because we think it's wrong to pass a plate. It's perfectly okay for, when I say pass a plate, a lot of churches pass an offering plate up and down. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that, provided that that's what the leadership wants to do. We don't. Money's not a big subject. But I've been thinking a lot recently about the subject that I've taught one time in 20 years about money. And the crazy part about it is that the sermon, that, the message I gave about money, which was about 10 years ago, I had already given it about six months before that in Haiti, and then, I, and then a pastor called me up in Fitchburg, actually where my son Sam is, is now, a Calvary Chapel affiliate. He goes, hey, can you teach this Sunday? And uh, he told me what he wanted me to teach on, money. <laughs> and I was thinking, huh, maybe I should be giving this at the church that I'm a pastor of? And so I only, I only gave it then, but I've been thinking um, a lot recently, and the reason that I've been thinking a, a lot about this recently is that our offerings at this church in 2022 fell way below for the first time ever. We've only, been, we've only missed the budget one time uh, in 20 years, and just by a little amount, but in 2022, I mean way off. <laughs> and it's like, okay, Lord, what are you saying? And you know, when something like that happens, it, 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 the, 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 
when anything like that happens, you ask, okay, God, you, you must be saying something. What are you saying? On Tuesday night, uh, we go through the Bible. Uh, I, go, I teach the Old Testament chapter by chapter. We just finished one of the best guys in the Bible, Jehoshaphat. He was a king, and um, he faced an army of hundreds of thousands of, uh, of soldiers, and they, just, they, did, they didn't have very many soldiers at all in Israel. And uh, what did he do? It says he sought the Lord. He, it, when, when you have... Uh, 100,000 soldiers staring you down, whatever your issue is that's causing your, your life to turn upside down, the first thing you should do is ask God, what is going on? Not getting on the phone and, and calling your friend or getting on the phone and, and, uh, with uh, your, even your pastor or, or, or trying to go into the internet. How do I figure out this? No, you go to God. And I've, I've been going to God. Lord, what is going on? I mean, this is, uh, this is a, a, a big shortfall. Uh, in fact, um, we, we were $70,000 short last year, and that's not including a rent increase this year of $25,000. You heard that right. $25,000 increase in rent. The reason it's going up so much is because we have so many kids. Last week, we had the record amount of kids, 40 kids in Sunday school. That's not including nursery. So we have to have new space. We get this space right here, Longwood Grill, uh, for the first time ever, but it, it costs money. And so... Uh, I asked the Lord, what's going on? And he was faithful to respond to me. And he spoke to my heart in a, in a clear way. And I, I'm being completely vulnerable and forthright. Silas' sermon last week was, was about confession. I'm just about to make a confession. He told me in no uncertain terms, Steve, you got a serious pride issue. And it's just really been hurting me. <laughs> that I have a pride issue. I'm too proud to talk to people about money. And I've neglected you, the flock of God. Because if there's one thing that is, if there's one of a number of things that has blessed me personally in my life, it's giving a lot of money away. Giving it to the church and to churches, to other ministries. But I've had too much pride. I've been begging the Lord for forgiveness over the last month. Actually, you only need to ask for forgiveness once. But sometimes you think, no, this sin's too big. <laughs> and you don't have enough faith. So I've been, even this morning, I'm like, I, 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 I was wrong. I'm sorry. But I, I, I want to share with you, speaking of Silas, he was talking last week about confession, something about me. The Lord's given me a gift of boldness to share the Word of God. I, I, I share the Word of God I just share what it says. And we have people, you know, over the years who have just gotten up in the middle of the service and they've walked out or they hear something they don't like and they don't come back. And, you know, I, 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 I don't like it anytime someone doesn't come back to the church. And I do sympathize with them. Because but for the grace of God, I'd be running away from every preacher that preached anything from the Word. But, you know, it's one thing to have someone leave the church because I'm talking about one man, one woman, marriage, no other, no such thing is in the Bible as man, man, marriage, or woman, woman, marriage. And have someone walk out. 
we're speaking very clearly and about the doctrine of hell. Jesus taught about hell. It's one thing to have them leave because I'm speaking about gender roles and they don't like it. People have left after uh, teachings I gave on race. I didn't like it. And I never particularly like it that myself, but it doesn't really bother me that much because I know I'm being faithful to the Lord. But the thought, Calvary Chapel, of someone thinking, I am trying to take their money. I just, I haven't been able, I'm sorry. I, I, <laughs> it, 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 each, each year or each month we're making the budget. It's like, whew, I don't have to talk about money. And it's just because I cannot bear the thought of being identified with whoever, the TV preacher, who is just talking about money week after week. How many people have come into our church and they've said, I come from this church, all they talk about is money. And, 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 and you know something? I, I, I was thinking... I was thinking of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, verse 11. It says, Blessed are you when they say all kind of evil against you falsely for my sake. And, and I'm thinking, well, I get that, Lord, but that's one blessing I don't want if someone's thinking I want their money. I, I, I don't want that blessing. But it was really pride because probably there's a couple of you who... Who, who, who will walk away from the service. It's like, oh, Christians, they just, preachers, they just want the money. And I got to deal with that. I got to humble myself, as do tens of thousands of pastors and teachers throughout history. <laughs> just got to humble myself. People are going to say evil things about me when I teach about money. So I, I, I'm just being vulnerable with you. I, I want to speak today about money. I want to speak next week about money. I remember when I was a brand new Christian, walking with the Lord. I was 24. I was in a church down in Florida. I was born up here, moved all over the place. I was in Florida when I was 24. Just had started talking to the Lord with the Lord. And the pastor uh, gave two straight sermons about tithing. That is, giving the first 10% of all your income to, 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 to church, to the Lord. And I was just stunned. I didn't grow up in Christian churches. I was like, you got to be kidding me. I mean, listen, I'll read the Bible. I will... Um, I will talk about my faith. I'll try to be nice to everyone, but you want 10% of my money? Yep. And he would say it with an accent because he was from the South. But as soon as it started sinking in, it was electrifying. I'm telling you, it just so freed me up for so long. It has ever since. So we are going to talk about money. And that's why we started in Genesis chapter 4. What I want to do this week, but these two sermons really go together, this week and next week. And, and you know, I, I repent from, from now on. I, I want to 
you guys can hold me accountable. I'm going to speak each year about giving because I don't want to rip you off like I have been. I want you to be blessed as the Bible says you're blessed when you become liberal with your money, free with your money. And don't hoard it up as we do, as we would if we didn't have the Word of God. We'd keep every single penny to ourselves. I want to take you through a little history now about giving. And it starts in Genesis chapter 4. What does the Bible say about giving? When did it first talk about giving? How did all this happen? Over 2,000 verses in the Bible about giving your money. What's up with that and where did it all begin? Well, it began in Genesis chapter 4. A little background for this chapter, chapter 4. Chapters 1 and 2, God created everything, including man and woman. And he told them, I'm just going to, you enjoy this world. You go enjoy it. Subdue the world. There's a command to enjoy the world. I hope you are obeying that, by the way. Enjoying the world. God has given it to you as a gift. And uh, but he told them, just, and he said, eat, eat whatever you want to eat, except for one tree, it's in the middle of the gar- garden, the knowledge of, tree of the knowledge of good and evil, just, eat anything, but you just leave that one alone. Chapter 3, the serpent, Satan speaking through the serpent, comes and says to uh, Eve, did God really say that you can't have that fruit? She said, well, actually, yes. And Satan responded, the serpent Oh, he's just telling you because he, he knows that if you have that fruit, you're going to be like God. You are going to be like God. You know, that sounds really good to us. It sounded good to her. And she ate it. And every person, human being, who has lived since has inherited that DNA. We want to be our own God. And there was a break in fellowship between man and God. That relationship was broken. And that's where we begin in chapter 4. Very interesting in chapter 4, uh, Cain, the, the first uh, two uh, children, Cain and Abel, are born. And at verse 3, let's just go to verse 3, um, it says, oh, actually we have it up here. Uh, it says, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground To the Lord, Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock. So this is the first verse, and some you can email me or text me if I'm wrong. I think this is, I believe, this is the first verse where man, woman, giving to God is really mentioned. This is the beginning of it. And it's right after the fall, the fall of man, where they sin, where they rebel. I want to be like God. And, then there were, and, and God, there was a curse put on, on man, the, the, the woman, the, the, the serpent, and there's a break in the relationship. And then the first thing that happens is they're bringing offerings to God. A great question is, did stuff like this happen before? Like, did they, actually, let me, let me first get into this. Um, why? Why is this happening why is this happening now? There's really um, at least two reasons 
why the Lord, why we see this start happening from the very, very beginning of the, the, the Bible. Um, you were made, you were created. God is love. God created you to love him. God created you to worship him. It's worship. It's worship. It is worship. Giving is worship. It says uh, in First uh, Chronicles 29, this is when they were building the temple of God. It's, uh, money is needed to build places of worship. Money is needed to pay for these three conference rooms uh, in the middle of Boston. We don't, we've been called not to leave the city, to stay right here. And it says that they gave toward the work on the temple of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 derricks of gold. That is just an incredibly huge sum of gold. It says the people rejoiced. They were worshiping. For they had given freely and wholeheartedly to God. Um, When you are giving with a heart, a a, a free heart, a, a recognition that it's all God's, Giving is one of the most wonderful forms of worship you can do. Example, next part of the verse. This is David himself. Who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, speaking to God, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. God, you have given us all this. I'm just giving it back. And it says that the people rejoice. So one reason you see from Genesis 4, the very beginning of the Bible, people giving to God of of their possessions, it's a gift of God of worship. There may may have also been the sense um, of the sin offering because Abel is, uh, can we go back to, um, to the Abel verse, to the Genesis 3? It says it came to pass that uh, 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 brought an, Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground of the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock. Remember it says that God, the next verse says that God did not respect what Cain brought, but he did respect what Abel uh, brought. Most Bible commentators think that this is really not a precursor of the sin offering where they're offering um, because of their sin. Although there may be an element there, the reason they think that is because of the word firstborn, which is different than the whole sin offering thing in Leviticus. That's another, that's an, another sermon for another day. But the, uh, when you offer the first of what you have, it's a, it's a form of worship. You deserve the best God. <laughs> and, 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 and so um, that is, it, it, it's a form of worship. It's, it's, it's a blessing of worship. And, and the question arises, did this happen before Genesis 4? I personally don't think it happened. I think when um, Adam and Eve were in the garden prior to the fall, there was perfect worship going on. After there was a break in Genesis chapter 3, of their relationship, this is one of the gifts that God gives. Giving is a gift, that a privilege that God gives to you. So one of the reasons that giving, God starts from the very beginning of, of, of giving people the privilege of giving back to him is worship. Um, there is another reason. 
And the other reason is this. It's a remedy against your heart hardening against God. If there's one thing that money will do when you start disobeying the Word of God and keeping it all for yourself, you, your heart will grow cold towards God. Absolutely, positively, without, without exception. That will happen. People come up to me a lot of times and they say, you know, I'm just feeling dry. I don't see the hand of the Lord. There's two areas. One is giving money. The other is, are you sharing your faith? Those two things. You want to neglect either of those? Man, you want to be dry? Stay dry. But you have to be doing both of those if you really want that joy, um, that, 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 um, that relationship with the, the Lord that's not dry. It's just filled with the water of, uh, of the Holy Spirit. But the second, um, the, the next verse, can we have the next verse in Romans? So the first reason... Giving to God is introduced as worship, but the second is it's a remedy against your heart hardening towards the Lord. Romans chapter 1 verse 25 says this, they, that means you and me, they, you and me, traded the truth about God for a lie. What do you mean? Because they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise, amen. So this is what happens. We start getting money, and it starts coming in, and promotions, and more, and more, and more, and we start worshiping that. We start worshiping the created, the stuff we can buy with money, money itself, or we just worship the idea. You may say, I don't have any money. There's nothing for me to worship. Ah, you're worshiping a fantasy. You're fantasizing in your own mind about what you could have someday. And, 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 and that just, your fantasy, um, your dream of everything that you can buy or, 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 or enjoy your retirement becomes an idol. It, 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 and, and it says here, they, second, 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 second sentence. No, um, I'm sorry, the last, good, thanks. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator. They're worshiping that new Tesla. If you have a Tesla, bless you. Uh, but you're not supposed to worship it. <laughs> Very important. The, you're, 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 um, you're, you're worshiping whatever, that that. that new house or um, your, that, that incredible vacation. Vacation houses, the first commandment is to enjoy the world. God gave us this stuff. We are allowed to enjoy it, but are you worshiping it? And did you need to get that Tesla in the first place? That house. Go on that vacation. The next one is Jesus couldn't be any clearer. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. I don't know how it can be any clearer. But he starts in Genesis chapter 4. He starts with this command to give as a remedy against falling in love with money because people, that is what we do. We fall in love with money and the stuff it can buy. 
And then a lot, of, a lot of us don't find out till years and years later, it was a big fat lie. A big fat lie. Everything I thought that I would get, the satisfaction, the pleasure from stuff that money has bought, it hasn't bought me happiness. Our pleasure is in God. And we can enjoy stuff when our pleasure is in God. That's the irony. So let's continue. It's, it first shows up in Genesis chapter 4. The next verse, and we're, again, we're going, I'm just going to take you. Uh, my, my wife suggested this. My wife is a, a Bible teacher. She's one of the best Bible teachers I know. She's, so the, the three of you ladies were with her for three hours studying the Bible last Thursday. And you guys had a great time. But she suggested me taking a history. Where does it first show up? Uh, so um, what happens by, is it Genesis chapter 6 or 7? The world becomes so bad. It says the, 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 the thoughts of man were only evil all the time. God destroyed the world because of judgment, except for Noah. And his... Uh, and his and his family, and then after the flood receded, the waters went down. What happens when basically man starting all over again, because there had been judgment on the whole world? It says Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. He's giving all this. Again, I think it's very important to understand. This is like the first thing. Just like in Genesis 4, the first thing after the fall they're giving, the first thing after the flood they're giving. Next verse, Genesis chapter 14. So Abraham shows up in the Bible. And what happened with Abraham? Well, after Noah, the world repopulated, and then guess what happened? Man went right back to where he had been thinking only evil all the time. The knowledge of God was almost gone from the whole earth. And what does God do? Instead of initiating judgment, meaning another flood, he initiates redemption. He initiates grace. I hope you're addicted to grace. And their study in Galatians will make you addicted to grace, hopefully. He initiates grace, and he tells Abraham, who, by the way, didn't, he was just a guy who worshipped many gods. He was not a good guy. He was not a righteous guy. He just, in, instead of judging the world, he just goes to Abraham, listen, come out, leave your father's house. I, I am going to make you into a nation, and I'm going to, through your descendants, I'm going to bless the entire world. Speaking of his descendant, Jesus Christ. And... So what Abraham does within a couple chapters of that happening, there's this very extraordinary chapter where Abraham gave Melchizedek, the priest of God Most High, most people think it was Jesus Christ, the second person of the uh, Trinity in the flesh who there are appearances of Jesus prior to Bethlehem, I never knew that until I started reading the Bible for myself. Many people think this is a pre, what's called pre-incarnate or pre-in-the-flesh appearance of Jesus Christ. It says Abraham gave a tenth of all, meaning he gave him a tenth of all 
the possessions that he had taken in in this war that had just taken place. And it's a form of worship. He is worshiping God. He's worshiping God. And that form of worship takes on. He's giving a tenth of everything that he has. So let's skip from Abraham all the way to Moses. So Moses, in, with Moses in the Bible, the book of Exodus and uh, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, they uh, are given the law. Moses is given the law. Among the first of the, the law given to the people, you shall not delay to offer the first of your produce. I like that. You shall not delay. Why? Because if we think about it, we're like, it's been a little time thinking about it. You know, I, I'd really like to get this whatever. No, the first goes to God. That's the principle for every follower of Jesus Christ. Also in the law of Moses, Exodus 23, 15, no one is to appear before me empty-handed. No one is to appear before me empty-handed, meaning part of our worship, our relationship with God is giving. Next verse, verse 19 of Exodus 23, the first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. And so, uh, the, again, the principle that, w- that the first of what we get, not the last of what we get. I remember talking years and years ago with a man who was, by, by our standards, a, a wealthy man. And he was a churchgoer, and he's like, yeah, when the offering plate comes around, what I do is I reach into my pocket, and if there's change there, I will put it in the offering plate. That's the last fruits. That's not what God requires. He requires the first fruits. And then in Leviticus 27.30, it says this, and all the tithe of the land, tithe means 10%, 10% of what you get, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree is the Lord's. It's, it's not yours, Israel. It's not yours, Calvary Chapel. It's the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. It's dedicated to the Lord. Now, some people uh, say the concept of, of, of tithing 10% is no longer for today. They say it was the law. There's two problems with that. Number one, it predates the law. Giving 10% of whatever you earn predates the law because before Moses who was given the law, Abraham was tithing and his grandson Jacob were tithing. The bigger problem, though, um, is often what people are saying, oh, you don't have to tithe because we're no longer under the law. And that is true. Throughout the New Testament and the book of Galatians, we're not under the law, we're not under the law, we're not under the law. But what does that mean? It means that Jesus Christ has performed perfectly the entire law for us and so we no longer have the weight of trying to live by the law over us because we look to Jesus therefore we're no longer under the law but that doesn't mean we want to just sweep away 
everything that the Lord has given us for, with the law because in Deuteronomy 10.13, I just wrote that on my thumb. I didn't have it. I didn't put it on the projector. It's on my thumb. This was. Deuteronomy 10.13, 10, uh, Moses says to the people, God has given you all these commandments for your good. So because we're under the law, are we just going to sweep it all away when it was given to us for our good? Of course we're not going to do that. Jesus himself speaks favorably about tithing in the New Testament. And, and, and so uh, that is where it... Uh, that, that's sort of a short history of giving. There are so many verses in the Bible about financial giving. Remember Calvary Chapel. God is love. You were created by God to love Him. You were created by God to worship Him. And, 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 and you know, a fair question, by the way, is what, what is worship? What is worship? Well, worship is, is one of those things that's very hard to define, but when you do it, you know it's happening. <laughs> or when you see it, you understand a little bit more about what it is. Or when you read it, you say, yes, right, that's, that's worship. So, for example, in Psalm 8, this is David. Psalms, by the way, are a worship manual. You want to learn how to worship, read a psalm a day. It'll keep the devil away, and it'll also teach you how to worship. Psalm 8, David says, Oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent your name is in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? You have made him a little lower than angels and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You've made him to have dominion over the work of your hands. You've put all things under his feet, sheep, oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. Oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Now, you may be looking at me up here and thinking, you know, I really can't relate to talking to God that way. It could be that you don't know Jesus Christ, that you've never asked him to be your Lord your Savior, and Savior, but it also could be you're disobeying what the Bible says about giving the first fruits, the tithe of what you have. That may be the reason you don't get it. Because I tell you, when I read Psalm 8, not a week goes by where I don't have a Psalm 8 experience in my life. And I'm just like, God, you are so incredible. And one of the things that he has given us in order to get to that place is giving. We're not under the law. It, it, we are not under the law. So you may be a student. I have no money. <laughs> Pray that you will uh, graduate and get to the place in your life where you can give 10% of your money. 
You may say, if I gave 10%, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be able to pay my bills. Should I give 10% anyway out of faith? Absolutely not. That's foolishness. But you pray, Lord, I really want to be able to give. I really, really do. There's a very interesting verse in Ephesians chapter 5. By the way, we're going to have another scripture memory night. Probably about, where's Danielle? Probably about two and a half months from now. We're going to be memorizing another 12 verses. I'm already memorizing um, um, Ephesians 5. But Ephesians 4 has, a, uh, has an interesting verse. It says, Let him who steals steal no longer, but let him labor with his hands for what is good. And does anyone know? What it says in Ephesians 4, as the reason he gives to go out and labor with his hands for what is good. Anyone, anyone know? Shout it out. That you can give to others. So that, it doesn't say so that you can go, uh, go and, 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 and spend it on yourself and, 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 and whatever. Uh, <laughs> go, go get some incredible meal. Go, go upgrade on your house or your car or whatever. It doesn't say that. It doesn't mean that those things are, are, are wrong because you pray about it and the Lord leads you to do it. Do it. But the reason it says that in Ephesians 4, the number one reason it gives, make some money so you can give it away. That's God's heart. That's where worship is. It's just interesting in Psalm 8. It also does give the whole, it says in verse 6 of Psalm 8, you have made man dominion over the works of your hands, which means you've, you've, given, you've given all the world for, for men to enjoy. He, he wants you to go enjoy that beach. Or that vacation. He does. This is not a sermon about becoming a monk. Some of the guys and I on Thursday nights are reading a book on Christian history. And there's a thousand years of monks thinking they were being righteous by not doing anything to enjoy what the world has given them. It was just, a lot of what they did was good, by the way. They did many things that were good, but not that. It's a misrepresentation of the Word of God. But... First and foremost, before we upgrade anything, we need to be giving to the Lord. So where are we? I don't have my clock. What time is it? What? 11.51. Okay, so we're not going to have time to get into Malachi. So these two sermons, this week and next week, they go together. So very important that you're here next week. Or if you're in ministry or out of town, that you listen to the sermon next week. But I want to finish with this. Now, I want to finish with this. When John the Baptist was baptizing people, John the Baptist was the one who was the one who, who introduced Jesus publicly to the world. I mean, can you imagine that? A guy actually had that privilege. J the B, John the Baptist. He, it was him. He was the man. And um, when Jesus came towards him, he pointed at Jesus and said, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Yes, the Old Testament is filled with 
offerings of lambs and cattle and produce, your grain, your fruit, that were just worship offerings. But there was another kind of offering. It was the sin offering. You brought a lamb to offer to God. And that lamb, you put your hand on it, and the priest helped you actually slit the throat of the lamb, and you saw the blood, and you realized, wow, my sin has killed this lamb. It was all a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ on the cross, having blood poured out over him for you. So why am I bringing this up right now? Because part of the offering, these offerings, they're all kind of related. The, the, the sin offerings and the worship offerings, they're, they're, all, they're, they're given together. They're usually given at the same time. But there would be a priest inspecting, you know, you, so you show up with your baby lamb or goat or whatever it was. Some t- poor people brought a pigeon or a, or a dove. And... Uh, The priest inspected the lamb. They didn't inspect the person offering the lamb. That's very important. So you're you've out there, you've sinned, you've messed up, you've treated your wife wrong, you've uh, kicked your dog, or 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 worse, you've you've raped, you've stolen, you've whatever. The priest doesn't come when you come with your lamb and and start asking you questions. Hey, what sins did you do? Let's start a list right now. What sins did you do that are causing you to bring up this this lamb? In other words, there was an inspection of you. There was an inspection of the lamb. The lamb had to be perfect. If that lamb had mange, anyone ever had mange on one of your dogs? Nasty. If If that lamb had mange, the priest said, no, you gotta go get a good lamb and come back. If that lamb had one of its eyes poked out or if it was diseased or if one of its legs were broken, sorry, you can't offer that lamb. Jesus Christ was the perfect lamb of God that was offered for you. He lived a perfect life. The Bible says that you die one time. Hebrews chapter 9 says. What verse is it? 27? Hebrews 9, 27 says, you die one time, and after that comes the judgment. And the question is, are you going to show up with an imperfect lamb just on your own behalf with mange on you, a poked out eye? And I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about you trying to do good and falling short. Or are you going to show up having trusted in the perfect lamb of God? And God says, well, why should I let you into my heaven? I got this lamb here, the lamb of God. We talked about three or four weeks ago, the lamb of God, as it had been slain. It's going to be in he- he's going to be in that form from time to time, apparently, in heaven. I-, I-, I trust that perfect lamb that was slain. That really is the number one basis for all our giving. And we give not only our money, we give our lives. And that's the worship team to come up. If you have never in your life, if you've been asked to pray as well, if you could come up at this time, if you've been asked to be a prayer partner. If you've never in your life 
given your life, your heart, your soul, your mind to God. The Bible loved you so much. The Bible says God loves you so much. He created you to love God and he sent his son Jesus Christ to teach you how to love God, to teach you how to give. If all this stuff about giving seems like craziness to you, it could be because you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. Because let me tell you, the work that God does in a man or woman's life who has asked Jesus Christ, the Son of God, into their life, you want to, you want to start giving to God a lot. If you've never done that, come up because I want to lead you in a prayer of faith. You, you, you can't go to heaven based upon trying to be the best as you can in this life because we all fall miserably short. The standard for heaven is perfection. Jesus says, be ye perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Well, only Jesus is perfect, that perfect Lamb of God. You ask him into your life. I did it in my early 20s. And it changed my life forever. Well, if there's anything else that has stirred you, maybe you, know, maybe you are... Uh, a college student and you have no money. I remember when I heard that, when I, um, when I, when I first heard that sermon, that pastor teach two Sundays in a row about tithing, I was just a poor student. But it was just so powerful. And you're thinking, man, I want to someday, I want to someday be able to give my first fruits to God. Maybe you want to pray about that. If there's anything else that you walked in here um, this morning, if you could rise um, for the worship time. We're going to close with a worship song. Anything else that you walked in here this morning you'd like to pray about? We're here to pray. Maybe you want, maybe you want to confess something. Silas talked last week about confession. You can do that too. But otherwise, let's worship. Let's worship together. Let's pray and then we're going to worship. Father, thank you. Thank you for this word. Lord, again, forgive me for neglecting this area of teaching for the last 20 years. I thank you that your word says, if I confess my sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And Lord, I just pray, Father, that you would continue the work in people's lives. Lord, in, in, in all our lives, the work that you want to do through this message. And Lord, I want to pray right now, Lord, for you to make us all vulnerable this time of prayer, this time of worship. We want to bless you in the closing moments of this worship service. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.